the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. We're back, and as you know, we were, I'm on the show, and we've been talking with Ace Wanasuba, our financial expert, and Stephen Wagner, our legal eagle, okay, and myself, obviously, uh, real estate, I consider myself somewhat of an expert um, in my particular field. Uh, we've been talking about every aspect of real estate and some things that you should know. Um, and I'm very pleased and honored to have joining us today Robert E. Carnegie Jr. Robert is a chair of the Council Committee on Housing and Building, and he's also the chair of the Minority and Women Owned Business Enterprise Task Force, um, and the chair of the Democratic Conference. Uh, and a member of the International Influential Budget and Negotiating Team. Um, he's also an active member of the Committee of Economic Development, Education, Finance, State. His, his attributes are so long. Thank you for being on our show. We're thrilled to have you. Um, and maybe, Robert, you could give us a, because you have so many credentials, tell us basically what you do uh, and what your feeling is on and what's going on today. Thank you, Dottie, and thank you for the opportunity. Listen, I've listened to your show a couple of times, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's always very exciting and informative. I am going to tell the audience right now I'm probably not as excited, exciting, but um, I, I love what I do. I love uh, watching the city have opportunities for growth and development. So as a chair of housing and buildings, um, uh, one of my primary functions are, you know, uh, oversight and and legislation, and it's oversight over the New York City Department of Housing Preservation and Development and the New York City Department of Buildings. Um, so those are two very important uh, factors. And we focused under my tenure this last four years a lot on safety. Uh, you may know have heard that uh, some people actually have lost their lives because of uh, crumbling facades, and, and, and we had a recent incident where, where a very um, uh, prominent family lost a family member uh, to a piece of falling debris from a uh, from a, a, a facade, um, so there are a lot of things that we're doing at housing and buildings, but they primarily center around uh, safety. There's a, a a gas piping bill that we just passed in the city council that requires that small homeowners, in particular, are um, uh, having inspections. We had two very horrible gas pipe explosions in Manhattan 
uh, with loss of life and destruction of business. So um, making sure that, that the city is safe and our businesses are safe um, uh, through unscrupulous behavior, which sometimes happens, uh, has been a primary uh, concern uh, and focus of, of the committee. And, you know, safety is so important. I, I always say that. So how do you go about this? I mean, in other words, do you, do you send out inspectors to look at the buildings? I mean, how do you determine what's safe and what's that not, and do people have to go I'm, I'm for sorry. I'm so glad you started there because in the old antiquated system, that's exactly what we did. And with the hundreds of thousands of buildings, uh, some brand new, some, you know, dating back uh, uh, to the 1800s, there's obviously an ongoing need for inspections, both for safety, but also for energy conservation. So when we think about the energy that escapes some of the older buildings. So I have uh, put forward legislation to use drones, which are more effective, efficient, a cost-effective way of doing inspections and uh, a more uh, a less time constraints. We used to have to literally have inspectors get on scaffolds, you know, uh, block off entire streets. Now we have technology that allows us to use drones as a methodology for um, getting our buildings inspected, inspected, both for safety and both for energy conservation. So it's actually, uh, the way I see it at least, uh, it can be a boon um, for safety, but also a boon for our, our, build, our, our build, building owners who need to be able to keep their buildings up to date um, uh, by, by having this inspection. So I'm hoping that this legislation will pass. But there is an impediment. Uh, in, the 19, in, in 1940, there was a law that was passed that you can't fly model airplanes uh, in, in particular airspace in Manhattan. And so we're struggling now to, to amend that bill from 1949 uh, uh, is it's inhibiting our ability to use drones. So there's a, there's a battle going on uh, right now about the use of drones. So it's not as easy as I'm saying, but that's one of the pieces of legislation that I think will move the city forward uh, by using drones for inspections and also for uh, cost savings as it relates to, to, to energy costs. And remember, I started this by saying a lot of what I'm going to say is not exciting and sexy, but it's really important, especially for your audience, to know that we're trying to move into the 21st century by using modern technology to decrease costs uh, and, and expedite time for, for building owners to be able to have their inspections and energy uh, 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 costs evaluated. I, you know, that, that, and that is so important. And I, I had an experience, I won't get into the details of where it was, where there was a building and it was built, I believe, in the 1930s. And so it was changing hands, and there was a safety issues, and of course all the people in the area uh, wanted to uh, make sure that this was safe, and we went to court with it, and we were told, well, this building was built, I believe it was 1936, and in 1936, I mean, I wasn't around then, but in 1936, apparently the safety the the standards for safety were a lot less than today. So Absolutely. If if something was built many years ago and when they didn't have the same measures and, and protections that they have today, um, does that get grandfathered or, or is that something that they keep current, like in other words? So 
So, Dottie, sometimes it gets grandfathered, right? But there have been instances, especially with fire safety, where retrofitting was absolutely necessary. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Some of the hotels in Manhattan um, had a different standard for fire safety. And what we see with increased populations and all kind of different things that we need to upgrade uh, the fire safety. There's, there's an incredible loss of life um, uh, that has been documented in the city. And so retrofitting buildings, which can be sometimes expensive, um, uh, is required, right? So, so sometimes you can say, hey, this particular statute, uh, we should grandfather a building into. But when it comes to public safety and especially fire safety, there are instances where um, it's incumbent upon the owner of a building to be open to retrofitting that building so that it can meet the current standard. Uh, listen, I know that it drives building owners absolutely crazy to try to keep up with the standards, but as a, from a public safety perspective and somebody who's really big on public safety, it's always important to have uh, members of the building community at the table uh, when we're thinking about these upgrades that are necessary, usually centered around retrofitting buildings. And, and we've had some buildings where, um, you know, this standard for two means of egress wasn't always in the statutes. And now when we look at that in no. some of the older buildings, especially, especially hotels, it's hard to even do that. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to put in another means of egress in an already existing building that are architecturally designed and all of that. So, but to answer your question, there are some instances where, um, where uh, grandfather, grandfathering in a building is absolutely appropriate. And then there's sometimes when the safety is a priority and retrofitting has to be the, the, the priority during the conversation. You know, I think it, I think sometimes people don't think about it as much as they should. And again, if you are a land, if you own the property, I'm sure you say, oh my God, this is a pain and probably Absolutely. costly. But if you're yeah. a buyer and you're going to buy this building and it's, you know, it's not up to today's safety codes, it's really good that we have, uh, an organization that looks out for the safety of the public. I really do. Yes. I also yes. hear that you're, and I asked you for a specific reason because I'm involved with this, um, that you uh, chair the Minority and Women-Owned Business Enterprise Task Force. Yes. Uh, and I, I tell you, as a woman, uh, being involved in many women organizations where I've no, we've noticed that a lot of venture capital money really goes to a majority of men still. Uh, and so any work that anyone's doing to try to get the playing fields to be somewhat equal, maybe not exactly, but at least better than they are now, is really a plus because uh, so many women are trying to get into business, and it's a lot harder for them to get uh, venture capital money uh, than men. So that's really uh to me, a very important thing that you're doing. So, thank you, you know, thank you for saying that, Daddy. I, I just want to, I want to, I want to point out real quick though that 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 is a very important thing in a city that's tremendously, you know, that's growing exponentially, right? So after this pandemic, quite frankly, more millionaires will be made in the city of New York than in the history of the city of New York, and that has to be inclusive of our MWBE population. Women have uh, supported this city in so many different ways, and they should be 
They should have an opportunity to be at the table, and that's a main focus for me, especially now. People are looking at this going, oh, we're in a pandemic. It's awful. But quite frankly, the most money is made during crisis times. And if uh, the MWBE community is not in the table, not at the table, listen, the, the, the federal government is intending on pouring trillions of dollars into the city of New York uh, for infrastructure builds. Right. Who's going to get that? Who's going to get that money? And if it stays the way it normally has been, then it will be uh, primarily uh, uh, male dominated in those industries, whether it's building, whether it's construction, whether it's development, whether it's ownership. And, and so I take I take with great pride the opportunity to allow for these demographics of uh, earners to grow through the MWVE program with the city of New York. Yes, I, I really, you know, I, I, I was involved I mean, with somebody that asked me to speak at something and um, it was a woman's conference I had never been to this is, was not about real estate necessarily it was just about money and women and women's access to it um, and, and, and also certain other minority groups and when I realized how much money um, it was like I, I don't remember exactly so I don't want to misquote something but it it was kind of like three or five percent it was such a low number so I think that's just a wonderful thing because I think that, you know, as you said, and I don't think people realize that as much, the best time to buy something is when it's in a crisis, you know? I mean, I think, yep, yep. and there's going to be so many wonderful opportunities, and I do agree with you. There will be more millionaires uh, that come out of this pandemic. And, again, nothing against big companies and men, okay? I want to see them continue but it, 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 we, we would like to see it be a little bit more equitable. So you're very involved in, in, in having that happen also, which I think is... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So when would someone, like, when would someone use you and who would use you? Would, I mean, because I'm not sure that the building, the, let's say somebody owns a building, that they would contact you and say, by the way, just check me out and make sure. How does the, how does the whole process happen? So some of it is, like you mentioned, what we call self-reporting. Hey, I'd like for you – so the Department of Buildings has a schedule for um, visiting these buildings, right? But but a lot of times there's so many of them, and the right. volume just doesn't allow for any consistent – and there's just not enough people to do it, which is also why the, the, the drone legislation in partnership with some physical and, and people. But uh, there's a schedule the um, Department of Buildings has that allows for them to go out. But then there's also self-reporting, right? So there's, there's a building owner who says, hey, you know, I, I'd, li- I'd like to have an inspection done on my building. A lot of, that ta- a lot of the times, Dottie, as you alluded to, that, that happens during the transfer of a property, right? So the, right. Uh, an inspection has to be done because you're transferring a property and the, and the new owner wants to know that, that it's safe. Uh, so there's three ways that it happens. There's self-reporting, there's a schedule that DOB has, and then, and then there is a, a request that's made for a building to be inspected. And then there's obviously the, the fourth, which is that an accident takes place. And we, and we certainly like for that not to ever happen, but we've seen it happen recently. So there's these four points of intersection where an inspection uh, can happen and, and should happen. The last, like I mentioned, is the, is the worst-case scenario where there's either an accident or some falling debris, and then an emergency inspection has to be done. Um, that's why I think this hybrid at this point between the drones and the regular inspection system will speed this up, and it's less likely that there'll be accidents and even or loss of life 
uh, with with this legislation. But but as it stands now, there's a schedule. There's the ability to self-report, and and there's the the ability to ask for an inspection due to a transfer of property. Okay, so now on the self because we've you know we've been on the air for a while now, and I've gotten so many callers who've called to say, oh. Something in their building they feel is unsafe, and of course we tell them to go to the management company and report it there, to be involved in their in in, in the meetings. Um, but let, let's assume that somebody is in a building and they feel there's something about it that's unsafe. And a lot of times, I, I don't mean to, uh, I don't want to make anyone feel like I'm putting anybody down. Sometimes there there are stuff that really are kind of just internal stuff like maybe my my neighbor has too much garbage or something like that. But if someone really feels there's something unsafe in their building that could really hurt people, who would they go to? I mean, obviously they would go to the the property manager first, I would assume. Um, That would be the first course of direction. Um, And after that, is there a way that they they can write to someplace or is there a way that they can – how would somebody go down? Very, it's a very simple process, Dottie. You can you can call three one one when you see or notice some unsafe some unsafe uh, practices and or behavior in a building. That's usually the easiest way. And and what happens for me, quite frankly, is people do that and then follow up with my office with the complaint number, and I'm able to 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 you know to to, to move the needle forward on it. But it's a very simple process that anyone can do. You can do it if you're just passing a building and noticing something. You can do it if you're living in a building. You can do it if you're a super or manager of a building. But like you said, the first the first recourse should be reporting to the management that you view something that may be unsafe, right? I'm not encouraging anybody to go outside of that process, but 311 allows you anyone, any citizen, to make a report, uh, and, and, an inspe- and it, it will generate an immediate inspection. So I guess that's the last point of intersection. Uh, if you make a report to 311, it will absolutely uh, generate uh, an inspection of that building, especially if it's, if it's uh, 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 loose debris or facades, if it's, if it's gas leaks or gas piping, um, uh, if, it's, if it's a loose fire escape. There are so many uh, uh, of things that can be reported, but 311, uh, fortunately, is the catch-all for that, and they usually give you a complaint number, and then you can follow up with your city council member, you can follow up with the chair of housing and buildings, which is my office, but, but, a, but a citizen should know that they have a tremendous amount of recourse if they uh, uh, feel that there's an unsafe uh, situation uh, in, in a New York City building, and I'm very proud of that. Yes, that's really good to know. I, I mean, because I think a lot of people, you know, and I, and I do say this all the time, and I, I generally don't get involved with politics, but I say this. First of all, go out and vote, okay, for whoever it is. I mean, be involved. I hear a lot of people complain about this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, okay, it's great to complain about things, but if you see something or there's something, then you have a duty not only to yourself but to other people uh to make sure that somebody knows about it. Uh, again, I follow the process, go to your property management, and hopefully they'll take it to the next level. But if it's very serious, there's always a way that you yourself can get involved. And that's good for people to know, because I don't think they know that they can do that. Is there, like when something is, now I can understand on, on old buildings, and we have so many buildings in the city, that's wonderful to hear that you have a process that expedites that with using drones now. 
uh, on new buildings. I'm sure they go through a process where before they're completed or close to completion, somebody goes out and checks them, make sure everything's status quo. Yeah, right? there are steps. There are steps along the way, so it's not even at the end. You usually assign someone who is going to help and guide you through the process of being in compliance with what the city's rules are. The, the, the new new buildings uh, benefit from having the opportunity to build in compliance. It's much easier to do that. Uh, it's much easier to follow the protocol for new building and new construction. Uh, older buildings have a little bit of more difficulty because they have to be retrofit. Right. Now, do you do that? Just do you do that in a specific area, or is this throughout the United States, or do you specialize? I mean, in a certain area. I mean, it seems like a no, huge. I, I think I think that you know. Well, yeah. Well, New York probably has more more the, probably the most strict the, the strictest, if not, you know, uh, uh, of any municipality in the country because we take safety very very seriously. And although we've had recently some accidents, whether they're on work sites or whether, like I said, it's from debris. So we take that incredibly seriously. And, and I would compare um, our inspections and our building codes to any place in the country. As a matter of fact, um, a lot of what the country does is measured by the way New York City does, as you could imagine. As, as with the real estate industry, like we are the driving force around the country and in some instances around the world. Uh, for setting the standard for safety in building um, uh, here in New York. Oh, that you know, that's so reassuring. Because, you know, a lot of times that I'm not putting um, any, I'm not putting any of the networks down, but sometimes they just focus on things in the city that all look horrible, and they don't realize the city is pretty progressive when it comes to safety and things of that nature. And they're pretty on top of it. And so if... So what would you tell people, our audience, what should they, what should they look for? Is there a process? Um, and that in most cases, to hear that New York is really on top, on top of, of all of that stuff is really very reassuring. Because sometimes news tends to uh, only bring out the negative things. And Well, from, from, from the other perspective, though, Dottie, your audience is often very disturbed by the amount of, uh, of, of, of barriers to getting something built, right? So, I, so conversely, I got to say, from, from your audience, I get a lot of calls in my office saying, hey, DOB is too slow. They're, 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 they're driving me crazy with all of these rules and regulations. Right. And I want to say to your audience that, it's, that it centers around safety, not just being a pain in the ass, right? So what it feels like to a developer or a builder is that we're actually obstructing progress of building, and a lot of it is slow and methodical because it's, you know, uh, some of it, quite frankly, is because we're a huge bureaucracy, but the other part of that is because we really take safety seriously. And from your audience and your audience perspective, I know for a fact, because I get the calls in my office, that, they're, sure that, that, sometimes, they're very, that sometimes they're very aggravated about what it takes in the city of New York to get a building from shoveling the ground to completion uh, because of all of the inspections that take place along the way. I want to say to your audience, I want to assure them that we work, that I personally am working diligently to better coordinate those efforts because uh, 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 it's, it's, it could be coordinated better. So, so what I want to I express to your audience is that we're working hard 
because we want to be the most progressive city in the world. We want to shine a light and a beacon on being able to develop and have new industry and have new buildings and all of those kinds of things. Uh, but sometimes it seems as though um, uh, your audience in particular seems as though they'd rather just go somewhere else because it's easier. Uh, but, you know, in New York City, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So well, I, I always you, say that, um, okay? I mean, I'm with you. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And although I understand and uh, I certainly sometimes could feel the same way, it is frustrating when you're trying to get something done and there's this and that and this and it seems like a, a lot of red tape. However, in the long run, you wouldn't say that if there was a tragedy that could have been prevented had this process not taken place. So I think that's such an important point to make, um, yeah, that it might be a pain in the neck, but you would be saying the exact opposite. You would be saying, why, why didn't that happen? Why didn't someone inspect that? So you do a lot of good, and I'm really impressed. And uh, if someone sees anything or a developer, uh, where would they contact? Who do they contact? How do they get in touch with someone? What would be the best way it's to just, go about that? It's, it's just their first recourse is 311. And if they call the 311 number, they'll be directed. They'll be directed on how to, 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 to you know, to, to, to ask for an inspection or to cite that something seems unsafe. So it's really, really, really a, a, a very good process. That That number for this city has made us a better place to live, has made our city safer. So they can they can call. And and I know, Donnie, that this is not a political show show, but I have to say that the recent elections um uh uh could potentially move the city forward with a more business friendly atmosphere, with a more uh development friendly atmosphere. I think our best days as a city are ahead of us. I'm agreeing with you and I certainly uh, try not to get into politics unless I'm with my own friends where it's fine because, but I don't, I, I also emphasize we're lucky to be able to do that. And, uh, I think I can say this. Uh, I am very thrilled with the, uh, outcome of our mayor because I think he's pro business and I think that he's going to do a lot of good to, uh, bring, you know, bring, I, I think New York City is so far past back. Like they do, you know, like if you go back to the pandemic, they said New York City's over. If you go back to 9-11, I, I lived through that. No one will ever be in a building. Nobody will ever buy a tall building. Everyone's leaving. New York always comes back. Uh, people right. fight for it. But right. to be safe and to do it thorough, there has to, you know, there's the other side of that. You've got to go through that process. And I really want to thank you for what you do. It really makes a difference. And thank you, I hope you'll I really come back and you. keep us. Yeah, I hope you'll come back and keep us every once in a while. Keep us up to tune of anything new that, that you're noticing or what's going on. I really appreciate it. It would be my pleasure. Yeah, and I want to tell you thank you for what you do. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Dottie, and thank your audience. Thank you for informing, you know, your audience about what's what's important. Uh, those of you who get, we say, and we jokingly say, membership has its privilege. So, uh, you you being able to to, to host me and, and and people like me who are able to uh, disseminate information is really important. Thank you again, Dottie. Thank you.
yep. about everything, of course. But instead of worrying, go see my friends at Trinitas for a screening. If you're between 50 and 80 years old and have a 20-pack year smoking history, you know, like uh, if you've been smoking like that, or even if you've quit in the past 15 years, listen to me, please. It's no joke. It's time for a lung screening. Give them a call. Make an appointment right now at 908-994-5984. It's 908-994-5984. It's low-dose, painless, non-invasive, fast and easy, and only takes 30 seconds at Trinitas to have a screening, and it could save your life. Finding out if you have lung cancer while it's still curable makes all the difference. If you catch it in time, you can beat it. Screenings are covered by most insurance. Do it for your family. Do it for yourself. Just do it. You can count on Trinitas to take care of you. 908-994-5984. Make an appointment. It's 908-994-5984. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Route 22 Toyota. All right. Alex Kinsella, he wants you to know that due to the current landscape in the automotive industry, your current vehicle has never been worth more. That's right. Alex told me that he's paying overbooked value for all makes and models. So get over to Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey right now and find out how much your vehicle is worth, whether you lease, finance your vehicle, or own it outright. It's worth more now than ever before. Alex says it does not matter if you purchase or lease a new vehicle. They're offering overbooked value for any maker model supply is low which means your vehicle is in demand and our friends at route 22 toyota they are making it worth your time it's 973-705-8905 you speak to someone on alex's team you get more than ever before for your current vehicle the address at route 22 toyota is 109 route 22 west in hillside new jersey 973-705-8905 or start here please route 22 toyota It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we've been talking about so many different aspects of real estate, buildings, what to look for. Uh, We just had a great guest on who talked about safety. And he's absolutely right. It is a pain in the neck, some of all the things that you have to go through. But in the long run, you don't want to be in a building that's unsafe. So uh, the process, and hopefully now we'll be sped up with the uh, drones. I didn't really know they were using them, but that should help things out a lot uh, because there's so many buildings and so much manpower. Uh, what do you think of that, Stephen and, and, and uh, Ace? Curious. 
I, I think what Robert was talking about was wonderful. I mean, he, uh, safety is always very important, and uh, um, he has quite an impressive background, um, even before he was elected to city council. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, he also, I, I don't know if any of you are aware, but he was quite a prominent basketball player in this day. He oh, played, we didn't get uh, to ask him. We should have. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a backup center, and uh, he's doing some amazing things, Dottie. I mean, you know, listening to guests like like him come on the show, and, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, what he's doing to help make, um, you know, our properties a lot safer and our city a lot safer. So it's uh, it's great to have advocacy uh, folks like himself and, you know, for him to share what he's doing with, with everyone else on the show. Well, I think, look, there's so much to digest. I mean, there's so, you know, everyone, do you actually know 25 years ago or 30 years ago, I'm dating myself, but when I started real estate, you want to know what they said to me? Oh, well, you know, when I was, uh, you know, finishing school, um, I was a mom and I was finishing, I was finishing college uh, at night and then I went on to get my master's, but I remember that. So I said, well, gee, I can kind of do this part-time and, and I'll have flexible hours. And I remember I went and they said, oh, yeah, listen, here's what you do. You show someone three houses, a great house, a middle-of-the-road house, and something that they'll hate. And they'll pick one of them. Now, it doesn't work that way. And there's so much to know. And if I can stress the importance of using a good broker, a broker who knows, and I and I am not telling you that someone can't sell you something from an area they don't know, but I always think it's best to use a broker from that area. Second, to use an attorney that specializes in real estate, because I've had I can't tell you how many customers are like, well, you know, I have a son-in-law or I have someone I, you know. A friend, his son is an attorney, I'll just use him. And maybe the guy's a divorce attorney or something. Um, it really is so important to use a real estate attorney. I think people underestimate what really an attorney does. And they do until they get in trouble. And then financing. There are so many ways to finance things now, and of course, there's not one size fits all. But again, when I started the business um, 30 years ago, here was the training. Well, there was no training. I got a little white book from the state. The state sent it in the mail. I memorized as much as I could of it, and I took the test. There is so much to know about financing and what the right financing for you is. And as we started to talk last week with Ace about it, hey, obviously, if you want, to, if you can put all cash down, should you? Well, maybe if you want to win the bidding war, but in some cases, maybe it's, maybe you want to save some of that cash for something else. It really depends. A lot of people are under the assumption they have to have twenty percent. And as Ace started to go through last week, there are so many different kinds of mortgages. That you don't always, you don't need to do that, okay? You can, and I'm not saying it's bad, but if you don't have 20% and you want to buy something, um, you should do that all ahead of time and find out what mortgage is vehicle. You could, as, as Ace told you yesterday, and a lot of people really don't know this. 
you could actually finance, you know, if you're looking for a starter up house or something that you can build, you know, fix over time, you can actually put the construction amount and borrow the, the money that you borrow to, to buy to finance the house and the construction costs right in the mortgage. Hey, Ace, are you there? I would like to hear what you're going to say about the interest rates. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and look, you know, I, I think as we talk about the marketplace, as we look into, you know, what prices are, are going to um, probably um, rise in, in, in the next year or so, you know, in terms of inventory still being low, rates are actually going to increase as well, right? So I think with that being said, you know, if you're looking to buy and you're on the fence today, you know, inquire, you know, talk to Steven, you know, talk to an attorney, talk to myself as a loan officer and really see how much you can afford because rates aren't going to stay below 3% for that much longer, Stephen. Um, you know, the economists, they're thinking by the end of 2022, rates are going to go up to about 4%. So a 1% increase from where we are um, in about a year is pretty aggressive in terms of their forecasts. And again, you know, right before um, our guest, we were talking about why it's been artificially low. So that's one of the things that we have to remember, too. Why? Which is, Would you tell everybody why you believe it's Yeah. I mean, I... Definitely, Dottie. So, so not only are there economic factors such as un- unemployment continuing to improve uh, from, from the pandemic uh, rates, also um, the economy starting to pick up, restaurants, retail, uh, real estate, right? Um, all of the all of those positive signs will lead to the Federal Reserve increasing rates a little bit because there's confidence in the consumer marketplace. And then second, it's been artificially low because the Federal Reserve they've been helping to stimulate the economy by purchasing mortgage-backed securities in the, in the tune of trillions of dollars. They've already announced that they will be tapering off the purchase of mortgage-backed securities. Thus you know, allowing um, rates to actually naturally continue to go through its uh, trajectory, which is going up, right? So there's a couple of different factors on why it's going up. Barred another either a natural disaster or a catastrophe, which we don't, we don't see in the near future, rates should be going up. And with rates going up, it's very important for our listeners to understand what their buying power is, right? So just, you know, talk to a loan officer, talk to Dottie, talk to Steven, you know, inquire, you know, call us on the show, right? And, and we'll try to help you as much as, as, much as you can. But, you know, you, they, they always say you can never time the market. And right now with rates being below 3%, it's no better time. Um, even if prices go up by just a little bit next year, um, you're still going to be um, – sort of in a better position because you, you were able to lock in a lower rate, right? So, again, you know, you want to make sure that you're knowledgeable. You want to make sure that you're prepared. And lo- looking at the market, uh, Dottie and Steven, I'm actually in the market to buy because I sold two of my apartments literally within the last 30 days because the market's heating up. And I can tell you all the concessions that developers were giving a year ago because I was still looking during the pandemic – and they were giving, you know, a year, two-year concessions on carrying, on common charges. They're willing to go 10 to 20% discount on prices. 
I can't find that anymore, Dottie and Steven. So I don't know about you, but, you know, the market is definitely heating up. You know, I'm going in giving 20% discounts on the price. And they're like, Ace, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you know, you need to be offering asking price. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because during the pandemic, people were saying, wow, you know, we, we think prices are going to be like this for about two to three years. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time for New York City to bounce back. Prices are going to be pretty low for a pretty long time. And, and, and I was one of those buyers that were sort of like just okay i have some time i don't need to rush into things and now i'm on you know i'm talking with douglas douglas element agents they're trying to help me find a property and i'm like wait a minute what happened guys what happened to the price uh, to the price points that, that, that we had about a year ago so it's one of those things where you, you, you really have to react and the market's definitely reacting in a positive way to and steven yeah. so and my advice when it, and i've said this uh in a second i just want to finish my thought. My advice, and I've been saying this, if you are somebody who has been kind of able to buy or able to sell and thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to sell, you know, anywhere, like I don't need to sell today, I'll wait a couple of years, or, you know, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll wait to buy. But even sellers, because sellers, your, your pool of, of, of potential buyers is going to shrink if, 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 if when interest rates go up. So I think that if you were thinking of selling and you said, I'm going to definitely sell, but I, before I move to Florida, I'll stay here another couple of years. And I, and I say Florida only because why do people go there? Well, yes, you could say because of the weather, but I think you're seeing a majority of people go because of taxes, okay? And there has not been a better time. So if you're thinking of retiring and going to Florida or something of that nature, I would do it now. I wouldn't wait the extra three years. I mean, unless your job or something is just on it. But I will say, and we'll save that for another show, that if you decide to change residencies, which a lot of people have, they're very strict on that. I mean, if you once you make up your mind to move to another state, it's not... You know, they watch everything. So, you know, you really have to know that uh, they watch everything you do, so you're going to have to really want to spend, what is it, six months that you have to live someplace else? You have to, you know, that you can't come back. I think it's six months. Well, it's it, six months, Steve? It, it's, it, it used to be a strict rule for stabilization. Uh, it was actually expressed as 183 out of 365, but that is, it used to be that that way, if you didn't have that, you lose, but now it's only one of the factors to be considered. I, I had another point too on taxes. It's if the rates are going up and they are, and you're in a co-op, which has an underlying mortgage and you haven't been wanting to refinance because of a prepayment penalty, um, and, and prepayment penalties don't don't uh, there are prepayment penalties with individual apartments or individual homes. So it's not an individual problem. But for a co-op, if they will refinance, that prepayment penalty or defeasance fee is tax deductible. So although there may be a, a payment that has to be made to the outgoing bank, all of the shareholders in your co-op will get an extra tax deduction that year. Um, oh, so if you're, if you're, yeah, if you're thinking, if you're in a co-op or on a board, 
uh, and you're above market right now, any significant amount with a large mortgage, don't worry about the prepayment penalty. All the shareholders will thank you, and you usually can roll that into the new financing. So uh, uh, think about that and call ACE. You know, I was at a party, I think it was in January of last year. I was at a party I was invited to that it was in Palm Beach. And a developer of one of our, let's say, A buildings, co-ops, one of our, you know, one of those co-ops that are very hard to get into, said to me, can I have a word with you on the side? And I said, sure. So we kind of left the crowd and I went to the sidelines. And he said to me, do you think, that the co-op rules need to be, like, a little bit more lenient than they are because so many times co-ops, you could get a mortgage, but you still have to have a certain amount of extra money in the bank and this and that. Um, do you think that we should, like, kind of lighten up on them? And I said, absolutely, yes. And um, he said, would you write a letter? He asked me to write a letter that he was going to He was the head of the board. He was going to bring to them. Um, I think that that's really important to know also. Um, what, because what you see happening, and this is what's happening before the pandemic. I don't want to say it's from the pandemic. I think that what's happened is you want to, you want to have a state that's business friendly. Now, if you are somebody who's not making a lot of money and you say, oh, look, that's somebody, that's something for the rich, not, it doesn't affect me. It really does. It affects everyone because you want businesses to want to stay here. And I don't remember the numbers exactly, but in New York, I can tell you that the majority of uh, taxes are paid by a very small percentage of people. And so you don't want them to all move out to states that are that, – you don't want to be non-competitive. People will pay more to live in New York. Um, Broadway's opened. Um, I just found out that, and I, I went to all his concerts, that Billy Joel is going to do another concert at Madison Square Garden. Everything's starting to really come back, uh, and a lot quicker than we ever expected, a lot quicker. Dottie, Dottie my friend just went last night. Um, you know, Christian had Billy Joel concerts, and he was showing me videos, and the place was uh, rocking Dottie, so, at Madison Square Garden. He was there last night, so it's uh, yeah. it's available now. Yep. And that's why when you're looking at, you know, we were doing market. I mean, I don't want to be all over the map and confuse anybody, but um, before we we had our guests, we were we were talking about uh, we were talking about markets, and you know, I said the said that that Brooklyn's gone up and the city's gone up, and when you come to the burbs, they're not escalating the same way, but they went up so much in the last year or so. Um, that if, you know, when you read a number and it says, well, Long Island is, you know, down. When they say down, they don't mean down in prices, but they're not escalating in the same way. There was a big splurge to get out of the city. So you, you, you saw an extreme amount of activity in a, in, a, in a condensed time. The market is starting to really normalize now, starting, meaning it's starting to get to a good market, but a little bit more balanced. That's what I see. Uh, so, you know, prices, you know, prices, can, we don't dictate prices. Prices can go up. Prices go up based on what somebody's willing to pay. And, you know, 
so, you know, although there was a big splurge, I think things are leveling out now and things are calming down. I mean, I know we still have the pandemic, and I feel we're going to probably have it for a while now. Um, but that big surge of people who left, that's kind of calmed down. That's that's at least what I see. I also wanted to ask um, Steve, maybe you could tell us, in New York, what other taxes are we dealing with besides we're dealing with a When someone's looking at how much money they should put aside for closing costs, maybe Steve oh. and, and, and Stephen and, and, and Ace could give people in, in the New York area uh, just a general view of what, what they're going to pay in closing costs. Well, they they have to pay their um, there's transfer taxes for the city and state. Um, uh, the aggregate is roughly uh, uh, two to two and a half percent, roughly in that area. But the uh, the higher price of the uh, uh, property, uh, the higher the taxes will be actually on a percentage basis. Um, they have to put aside. Um, money for uh, uh, title reports and for, um, you know, which includes not only title, but also municipals and things like that. So they look at violations and such. Uh, That's not the responsibility of the buyer. That would be the responsibility of the seller, typically. Um, They have to put aside money for their uh, attorney's fees. Um, Their broker actually uh, gets paid that stuff. That comes usually out of the, uh, if they're the ones paying the broker. But, um, you know, it, it can be a significant amount. You have to plan on it. Um, and uh, it depends really on the price of the, the property. I think we're coming to the end of this show. I, I feel this time has gone so quickly. It doesn't feel like two hours. I hope you've gotten something out of our show. Um, and I hope and we'll continue talking about these things. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Ace. Thank you, everybody who's listened. You can get us online or you can go to Ion Real Estate on Facebook. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.